Luke chapter 8, rather lengthy passage of Scripture. I'm going to ask you to remain standing, giving honor to the Word of God. I'm going to read the 40th verse through the 56th verse, and I'm going to do my best just to read it and not preach it. It says, on the other side of the lake, that's going to be important, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for Him. Boy, that's going to be important as well. They had been waiting for Jesus. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and he fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his home. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with Jairus, he began to be surrounded by a large crowd. And a woman who had suffered for 12 years with a constant issue of blood she had been bleeding who could find no cure she came up behind Jesus and and she touched him she touched the hem of his garment she touched the corner of his robe and immediately the bleeding stopped Jesus said who touched me everyone denied it but Peter said master the whole crowd has been waiting for you and now is pressing against you how is it that you would ask that but Jesus turned and he made this statement he said no someone deliberately Someone deliberately, someone deliberately, someone deliberately came to worship today. Someone deliberately came looking for a miracle today. Someone deliberately came believing me today. Someone deliberately came believing for breakthrough. Someone deliberately, intentionally touched me. For I felt the healing power go out of me, virtue go out of me. When the woman realized that she could no longer stay hidden, She began to tremble. She fell on her knees right there in front of Jesus. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Jesus makes this statement. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. That's going to be really important today. Go in peace. Go in peace. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the local synagogue. He told him, your daughter's dead. There's no use in even troubling Jesus now. But when Jairus heard what had happened, he said to Jesus, I mean, when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, Jairus. Just have faith and she will be healed. When they arrived at his house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, James, and John, the inner circle, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was also filled with people. They were weeping and they were wailing, but he said, stop, stop the weeping, stop the wailing. That's a word for somebody today. She isn't dead, she's only asleep, but the crowd, they scoffed, they laughed at him because they all knew she was dead. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned into her. And immediately the little girl, 12 years old, stood up. Then Jesus told them, give her something to eat. Her parents were so overwhelmed as you and I both would have been with astonishment of that day. But Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. Holy Spirit, we've worshiped, we've prayed. It's now time for you to deliver. There's so much here, there's so much to be preached, so much to be said. God, we don't want it to be notes, we don't want it to be points, we don't want it to be keys or truths, we want it to be the rhema, revealed, spoken word of God. God, so that transformation can happen in our faith today. I pray it all one last time in faith, believing that it's done in Jesus' name. Come on, church family. Somebody say amen and amen and amen. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to a neighbor and slap somebody a high five. Shake somebody's hand. Say it's good to see you today. Glad to have you at Oaks Church today. And now while you're while you're there talking with them, interacting with them, I want you to ask them, I didn't tell you to be seated. I don't mean that ugly. I don't know what happened. 
I looked away for two seconds. I feel like Jesus now with the disciples. Lord, I left you all alone for a couple of minutes and look at what happened. Just kidding. I'm nowhere near Jesus. I don't mean that. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, do you have, do you have deliberate faith? Do, do you have intentional faith? Are, are you a Sunday Christian? Are you a worship set Christian? Are, are, are you a, give me a good sermon, give me a good word, give me a good podcast, give me a good teaching. Believer and follower of Jesus, or are we deliberately, are, are we intentionally walking out our faith. How many of you know that every day that you live, every day that you walk and that you talk, and and I know this message is probably going to come off ultra radical this morning, but but, uh, this is a radical time in which we live. Uh, Everybody else is radical. Every other agenda is radical, and it's acceptable socially and culturally for everything else to be upside down, topsy-turvy, and radical. It's it's maybe time that we reevaluate the intentionality of where we're at in our faith today on some issues. Listen, I'm, I'm meaning this to stir us. I'm, I'm meaning this to challenge us. I'm meaning this to encourage us. I'm, I'm not getting on to anybody. I'm not mad today. Man, I'm happy. I, I just am challenged by Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56. And, and, and this past weekend, I want to tell a little small story without getting too deep into this today. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, I, I was hanging out with some of my friends, and, 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 and I'm not a big, you know, technology guy. I mean, obviously I have an iPad, and I have a phone, and a computer, and TV, you know, and things like that. And I've even figured out how to download a couple of apps to watch programs that we like to watch. But, but you know, I just have never woke up one day and said, hey, I think I'm going to go to the technology store and buy me a drone. I just want to fly a drone around with my phone and see what other people are doing. That just really never crossed my mind, just, just to be honest. But this past weekend, I was, I was with some guys, and man, this guy broke out this little bag. It was about this big, and flip, 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 clip, 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 clip. I was like, dang, son, he was looking at his phone. I was like, what are they doing over there? What? I was like, oh, I could get into this. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. One thing that I want to mention about that small drone story is, is what I loved about that drone thing. I said, well, you know, I mean, obviously that thing wasn't cheap. It had to have cost a lot of money. That thing got up there and it started sending some indicator that it had reached its range. And in the old days that I grew up with electronic toys, that literally was code word for it's going to fall out of the sky and break. You may never find it. And I was like, well, how does that thing, once it gets to the end of the he said, oh, you just hit this button right here. And when he hit that button, that thing went, and came right back like a dog. Whistle that sucker, came right back and sat down. I said, I am, this has blown me away. But as that drone was coming back into its landing spot, I had an aerial, I had a bird's eye view of that spot where we had flown that drone from. The reason I share that with you is that's honestly the best way that I know to explain Luke chapter 8 to you today to get us into this passage of Scripture. Now, now what I struggle with as I read verses 40 through 56 is I want to get us down into the details. I want to get us down into the minutiae. Really, every time I make a statement, the preacher inside of me, the Holy Spirit is not wanting to read the rest of the passage because I'm just ready to open the gate and start preaching. But in order for you to get the most out of this passage today, in order for us to take away the most insight, to give God the best chance to transform us and to grow us, I really believe the best approach is for you to get a bird's eye view of the entire context. The bird's eye view of the context of this passage is Jesus, it just said very vaguely, is is coming back from the other side of the lake. Does anyone have any idea where Jesus is coming from? It, it, it said that he's not only coming from the other side of the lake, but it also says that when he got back to this side of the lake, which is very vague and benign right now, it says that there was a large crowd of people there waiting on him. Like, like they were literally like, now what time is the train coming into the station? When is Jesus coming back? And then the next thing that it says is that there is a guy who is not just any old Joe Blow. He is an upstanding leading citizen of the community that I haven't disclosed to you where this is happening at yet. He's there waiting 
like everybody else, his name is Jairus, and he's waiting on Jesus. And as soon as Jesus gets out of the boat and walks up on the shores of the undisclosed location that I've not told you where it's at just yet, unless you've Googled it or looked it up or put up your Bible study notes, he goes running up to Jesus as if he didn't have a care in the world, as if his reputation didn't matter. And he falls on his knees in front of Jesus and he starts pleading in an intentional and in a deliberate act of his faith for a 12-year-old daughter's life who's nearing its end. Jesus is actually coming from the other side of the Sea of the Galilee. This is at a time period in Jesus's earthly life and ministry where he's been expelled from Nazareth. Now, those of you that know me, uh, you know I'm, I'm crazy about uh, studying the Bible, crazy about Jewish roots of Christianity, crazy about the Israel trip. And if you have not talked to Miss Melville, Miss Melville, would you stand up today and, and raise your hand in the air like you just don't care? If you haven't spoken to Miss Melville yet, Miss Melville, for those of you that don't know, is my secretary. She's the church administrator. And, and uh, as we get the building built and move on, when you're calling and trying to make appointments and sending in stuff and paperwork and needing statements and all kind of stuff, this will be who you will deal with. But if you've not spoken to Miss Melville and you've not filled out your paperwork, listen, we can only take 46 people. And this is for one year from now, November of next year. And we are locked in at the rates of 2019. This trip right now that we're going on would cost a thousand or two more dollars than it's costing because these people lost a trip with me with 56 people in 2019 when COVID hit. So this is going to be a trip of a lifetime with double the amount of stops that you usually make. It's going to blow your socks off. I have been on the Sea of Galilee. I have stood in the city of Capernaum where this is happening. And I'm about to help you have this whole passage come alive in just a second. And then let the Holy Spirit not only bring the passage alive, but minister some truth to you and me today that will help us be more intentional and more deliberate in our approach to our faith in God. But in this context of the passage, Jesus is only there because he stood up in the city of Nazareth and he read Isaiah 61 and he said, today the spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal and to preach and to teach and to usher in the kingdom of God. And the people of Nazareth said, that's just Joseph's son. He's just any old ordinary boy. How dare he stand up and say someone's great. And they put him out, the Bible says. They tried to push him off the brow of the cliff in Nazareth. They literally tried to kill him. So Jesus then moves his ministry from Nazareth down to the city of Capernaum. This is his ministry headquarters. It's there in Capernaum where Jesus begins to call his early disciples, his early followers. And in this passage here, which I'm about to run you up to very quickly, Jesus is coming back from the other side of the lake. And when you go there, you're going to see the other side of the Sea of Galilee today, which it's really not a sea. It's, it's like to us in America, it'd be like a lake. It's, it's only 13 miles long. It's only seven miles wide. And on the other side, halfway in the lake, on the other side is the country of Jordan. Jordan. In Jesus' time, those were Gentile cities. They were called the Decapolis, Decapolis, Deca meaning 10. There were 10 Gentile cities on the other side of the lake that were non-Jewish residents, non-Jewish people. And Jesus has gotten in this boat and he's gone to the other side of the lake. He's gone now to Gentiles, which was totally unheard of in his day. And when he goes there, he goes to one specific city called Gadara. And you might have already put this together. He's there in the city of Gadara where he meets the demoniac tomb in the tombs of Gadara and the demons say to him, our name is Legion. And he expels the legion of devils. The man begs him, let me go back with you. Jesus said, no, that ain't what it's about. It ain't about getting healed and getting on the ministry boat with me and traveling around with me. It's about taking the miracle ministry that's freed you and going back to your own home and telling somebody else in Gadara that there's a God that can set you free. Jesus comes back across the Sea of Galilee. When he walks up in Capernaum, here's what we find, a leading citizen, the ruler of the synagogue. It's like the pastor of the church, if you will, comes running up to Jesus and he falls down on his knees and he says, Master, Jesus, my little girl is sick. She's about to die. 
I, I, I got to know, did, did this guy get a text message? Did this guy get an email news blast? Did, did, this, guy, did, this, guy, did this guy get a newspaper? How, how does he know anything about Jesus? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Because in Mark chapter 1, when Jesus begins his ministry, he walks into the synagogue. Jesus goes to church on Saturday. And he's hanging out, and he looks around the church, and he says, that guy's in church, but he's full of devils. How many of you know devils hide in church? How many know people be full of demons in church? You got to change your mindset. This ain't the place for the saved saint only. This is, this is a hospital for the hurting, for the broken. People do have issues. People do have pain. And Jesus said, look, you've read your Old Testament. You've read your New Testament. You've shared your homily. But there's a guy over here. We're about to dismiss and go get Jewish Mediterranean salad and lamb. They, their version of KFC chicken. Just leaving that alone. He said, and we're going to leave church today, and this guy still be full of the devils. And he calls him out, and in the synagogue that Jairus would have been the ruler of, he cast out a devil. I don't want to be the pastor of that church. I don't want Pastor Denny to come. I don't want Pastor Ted to come. I don't want Pastor Don to come. And they're right, right up here preaching, and, and, and Miss Rhonda's been sitting on the front row, and I'm just going to use you because you can't get mad at me. And then halfway through the message, Pastor Denny goes, Pastor John, you've been missing this. She got a demon. Stand up. Let me cast. And I'm like, man, I've been preaching this woman for 15 years of my life. How did I know she didn't have a devil? That's, that's, not, the, that's not the church you want to pastor when Jesus shows up and starts doing things that you've been missing all these years. This is Jairus' synagogue. When Jesus walks out of the synagogue, I've been there. When you go to Israel, you're going to go. He literally walks out of the synagogue, and right across the street is Peter's mother-in-law's house. And he walks in to sit down with a meal. Now, I can tell you, Peter was really not Jesus' favorite. I can tell you this. If, if Peter would have been Jesus' favorite, he'd have never healed his mother-in-law. I'm going to leave that alone. My mother-in-law's up here on the front row right now. I'm feeling that spirit of that devil on her. Just, just, just playing. Just having fun in church today, right? Just kidding. I got a great mother-in-law. All of the sudden, hey! I feel her about to get up and come get up here with a microphone. Let me, ushers, ushers, Jeff, Charles, Philip, somebody, Blake, can y'all help me? Vernon. Jesus goes in to sit down. With Peter, and his, he says, hey, I would cook you a meal, but my mother-in-law's sick. I guess men didn't cook in that day, I guess. And Jesus said, well, I'm hungry. Bring her to me. Touches her. She gets up and cooks them something to eat. <laughs> I'm going to stop. I'm getting myself in trouble right now. Right? So watch this. So Jesus, after he heals... Peter's mother-in-law, the very next account we read in the city of Capernaum, chronologically in the gospel, is Jesus has gone out and did a little ministry trip, and then the city hears Jesus is in the house. Woo! What will happen in a church when a city hears that they don't just have great programming, they don't just have great preaching, they don't just have great worship, they don't just have great financials, they don't just have friendly people. They got a church where Jesus is in the house, and all of a sudden, four friends of a paralyzed man hear Jesus is in the house, and they can't get in. They go up to the roof, and they pull the roof off, and they drop the paralyzed man down in the house, and Jesus heals a paralytic man and just to prove he is who he says he is he says take a hold of that mat take a hold of that addiction take a hold of that sin problem take hold pick it up and walk out of here walk out of here carrying walk out of here carrying listen to me walk out of here carrying walk out of here carrying the very thing that one day carried you you didn't know you were going to get four sermons in one today. It's a, it's G, you ever wonder why he said, take up your mat? I, yeah, I guess the mat was in his way. He couldn't do me. No, he was saying, this thing that's debilitated you, walk out of here holding that thing. It's like holding up the crutch. It's like holding up the addiction. It's like holding up the pain. It's like holding up the problem. I've got control of this now. It once had control of me. Then the very next time, 
Very next time Saturday comes around, how many of you know you really don't want to be Jay Iris at this point? <laughs> right? Like, I've been leading the synagogue here, and it's all these demonic people, paralyzed people, sick people, right here under my ministry. And Jesus rolled into town, and he's healing people that I ain't never even moved a finger to help. Church comes right back around the next Saturday, chronologically. I'm just walking you through the drone, bird's eye view version of the first few chapters of Jesus' early life and ministry in Capernaum. And he walks in a synagogue, and there's a guy there with a withered hand. And can I tell you what the religious people did? They sat on one side of the wall and said, let's see if he helps him. I'm like, isn't that what he's supposed to do? <laughs> they're, they're like, we see him over there. He's got an issue. He's withered. His marriage is withered. His, his finances are withered. His relationships are withered. His, his truthfulness, his integrity, it's withered. He, he's in Let's see if Jesus helps him. They're just waiting on an opportunity for Jesus to do something good to help somebody so they can say, well, I declare, bless his heart. I cannot believe Jesus would help him. I cannot believe if you were really God, you wouldn't waste your time on scumbags, trash like that. You know why it's quiet in here, right? Uh-huh. I can't believe they would help people like that. I can't believe they would use people like that. I can't believe they'd get involved with people like that. And Jesus says, well, I mean, I know what's coming, but I'm going to go and help you anyway. And he heals the man's withered hand. And they say, I can't believe you helped him. It's a Sabbath day. And, and Jesus said, when y'all leave church today, aren't y'all going to go bring your mule some water? Aren't you going to go give him some feed? You mean to tell me you got problem with me healing this man's withered hand because it's work and you're going to go home and take care of your animal and your animal means more to you than this man's withered hand? He said, my father's been working until now, so I work. I don't care what blooming day of the week it is. I just came to set captives free. These are the ministry miracles of Jesus. So Jairus, at this point, if you're anything like me, you're battling pride, you're battling your own ego, you're battling your own insecurities. If there's one person you're not really all that excited about running to and falling down on your knees in front of and asking for his help, it's the guy that rode into town that showed you up in every area of your ministerial shortcomings. But Jairus runs out there, falls down to Jesus. He couldn't wait for him to come back from Gadara because I got a daughter at home dying. I wonder if anybody in this room's got some areas that are at home dying. I wonder if there's anybody that said, I came for more than a song today, more than a sermon today, more than a word today. I, I came today because I got something dying that he can make live again. See, you, and here's what I love about Jesus. Here's what I love about Jesus. <laughs> When Nicodemus surrenders, when Jairus surrenders, when these religious men that could have been the most slighted in, when they finally surrender in humility to Jesus, Jesus holds no record of wrong. He holds no ill will. And Jairus says, hey, would you get, and Jesus says, sure, what house do you live in? And Jesus just takes off. Now, now check this out. As, as Jesus is, is on his way there, I want to show you who he's on his way to help. He's on his way to help an upstanding citizen, a leader in the community. He, he's on his way to help a man with a daughter who is 12 years old. This daughter's his only daughter. She's been a fabulous, a, a great source of joy for this man all the days of his life. Like, like if Jesus played the I'm going to pick and choose game, I'm going to show favoritism game, I'm only going to do it to help the people with deep pockets game. Like this would be the type of person that you would think Jesus would help because they could fund his ministry. And all of a sudden we see Jesus kind of doing that and Jesus moving that direction and he's going with Jairus. But as he's going with Jairus, don't you know some people were setting back and they were scoffed. Well, look at him now. He's just going to help the uppities. He's just going to help those on top, those with deep pockets, those that can give. He's just going to, they had to find something else to be negative about, something else to criticize. 
something else to ridicule it. As he's going to do it, all of a sudden the crowds start pressing in on him. And the man, Jairus, isn't even who I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about a woman, nameless, obscure. You see, if we're, if we're really going to talk about intentional faith, if, if we're going to talk about deliberate faith, it, it in Jairus, who gives us a great picture of that? Jairus has seen firsthand the miracle ministry of Jesus. He's seen it operate in his synagogue. He, he's in a desperate situation where he has nowhere else to turn. But there's a nameless woman of obscurity in this passage of Scripture that as the crowds are pressing in on Jesus, this woman comes out of nothingness, not from notoriety, out of obscureness. And all of a sudden, she does something that shows us deliberate faith. Number one, they're going to put this on the screen for you. She, she went against the grain that day. If, if, if you want to know what it looks like to have deliberate faith, see, a lot of people talk about faith. A lot of people talk about I can believe. And, and a lot of people say I have faith. But, but I, I, at times in my life, I need to see faith. I, ne- I need to wrap my heart around it. I need to wrap my hands around it. I need to see a, a model. I need to see something in action. I need you to help me figure out how to emulate that or to imitate that in my own life. And oftentimes, if you're going to have intentional and deliberate faith concern, your walk and your relationship with Jesus. Listen to this. Mark my words. You're going to have to go against the grain. You're going to have to go against the grain. You're going to have to go against the grain. So let me read this to you. It says, there was a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years, 12 years, with a constant bleeding, with an issue of blood. And, And Mark's gospel in the fifth chapter says that she had actually spent everything that she had on doctors and on physicians and on soothsayers to heal her and now she's broke she has no resources and she's still got an issue of blood she's still bleeding and she has no cure this woman i want you to know you may want to write this down she was actually an outcast of society. You see, if if you were a Bible study buff, you would understand that over in the book of Leviticus in the 15th chapter in the 25th through the 27th verse, which I don't have time to read you right now, there is a very strict law in Jewish society that says if you have an issue of blood, if you have an open sore, if you have a bleeding wound, that you are to stay away from society, that you are an outcast, that you can't come around other people, that you literally are unclean, unclean, And again, we've talked about churches and Christians treating other people with open wounds and issues like they're unclean and unclean. But what we see in this picture is this woman who is an outcast, who's living in obscurity, who has no material wealth, no resources, finally makes a decision one day to show the world what it looks like to have deliberate faith in Jesus. She said, I don't care if they stole me. I don't care if they take my life. I don't care if they ridicule me. It can't get no worse than it is right now. I'm going against the grains of society. Even if culture says it's unacceptable, even if culture says we're all going this way, this woman shows us what it's like to say, you know what, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care the way they're believing. I don't care the way they're voting. Oh, this is about to get real, real, real quick, real fast. I don't care how they're addressing cultural issues. I don't care how they're addressing societal issues. I am willing to go against the grain. This woman shows us her faith. She comes out of whatever obscure place she's in. She, she, she hears that the boat's coming back across the Sea of Galilee. She, she, she says, wrapped up, hidden, isolated, I don't care if they recognize me. I, I don't care if I'm operating differently. I, I, I don't care to stay in this place that I'm in anymore. And she displays an action of intentionality, of the deliberateness in her faith to go against the grains of her day. I like telling stories at times when I preach because I like stories. Jesus likes stories. It it helps me 
tie these spiritual truths to to practical things that we can remember throughout the week. And if you know my father-in-law, Pastor Todd, come on, let's hear it for Pastor Todd here today. And if if you know Miss Angela, my mother-in-law, that I was just joking with a moment ago. You know that the Hibbard family has, has given sacrificially to Alaska Bible Institute. You, you know that, that, that Oaks Church wasn't the first place that they poured out their lives sacrificially for nothing, for no notoriety, for no recognition, for no monetary gain. They have a lifestyle of just pouring themselves out on the behalf of Christ. And, and that's the type of people it takes to birth a church, J- just to be honest. But Pastor Todd is, has often shared stories with me about Alaska and, and about, you know, things that they do there and, and, and activities that he thinks I would enjoy. And, and one thing that Brooke and I have talked about recently are, are salmon. And, and I think they have king salmon and they, they have red salmon. Pop, is it, don't let me get it wrong. I, I, I don't know specifically, but I know they, they have these salmon. And I was talking to Brooke one day about salmon and, and, and I discovered that salmon were a saltwater fish. And, and I was like, well, I thought salmons lived in rivers. And Brooke said, babe, I, I don't know how you miss this, but, you know, like they, 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 are, they are spawned, they are born in freshwater rivers upstream in, in all of these rivers coming. And they travel downstream. They just go with the grain. They just go with the current. And they just wash out into the ocean and into salt water. And they live there all of their lives. And then nearing the end of their lifespans, they travel against the grain. They, they travel back upstream. They, they try to return to their spawning grounds, to those freshwater rivers so that the cycle of life can start all over again with the next generation. And when you see those pictures of those giant grizzly bear standing in those river and those salmon are not only going against the grain, going against the current, but they're trying to jump oftentimes over rocks and, and leap up to, to higher plateaus and elevation in the river streams and the fish are just getting bitten. The bears are just catching them. That is is a great picture my friend of what I'm trying to tell you it is going to take in the world today to have a deliberate faith in Jesus everything else around us is going to be saying believe this way vote this way feel this way accept it this way they push it on the television they push it on the radio they push it in the news they push it in cartoons they're all saying that we know more than God today we get to reframe society today you get to believe this way today you get to do you today you get to live this way today and everybody's just saying through easy believism just go with the flow but in order to have a real intentional deliberate faith in Jesus a living, breathing, working live, a relationship with him, oftentimes you're going to feel a call, it's not a call to the wild, it's a call to purity it's a call to holiness, it's a call to righteousness, it's a call to truthfulness, it's a call to forgiveness, it's a call to love and that will make you go against the grains and push against the cultural norms of the day you see any dead fish can float downstream (laughs) any dead fish can die roll over go belly up and go against the grain but it takes somebody alive in God to swim upstream it takes somebody alive in Jesus to go against the grain Where, where, where is God maybe speaking to you right now where, where, where is God maybe saying maybe we've been a little too conformist? We, we've, we've, been a, we've been a little too accepting. We, we've been a, this don't mean I don't love people. This, listen, I love people no matter what they believe, no matter who they were. I love people right where they're at, my friend. I love all people, all creeds, all races, all political parties, all that. I love people. But my love for you does not mean that I will unilaterally endorse a way of living that my God has not said I should live. I can love you enough to tell you, baby, that ain't right. That ain't true. That ain't how you should take care of your kids. That ain't how you should treat other people. That's not how you should live with your wife. That's not how you should believe with your faith. That's not how you should operate with your money. And I don't have to be mean. I don't have to be cynical. I don't have to be judgmental. I can be loving, smiling, encouraging, and faith building. But I'm not going to move just because everybody else says move. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. Another aspect, I got to wrap 
my, my, my heart around what this, this woman's trying to show us. And I, don't, I won't have as much time to go through the rest of these. Ah, never mind. I forget it. Come on. The next one I want to show you is, is this woman. She not only said, I don't care what society says. I don't care what the law says. I don't care if I'm supposed to stay over here. I ain't staying over here. I'm getting out of obscurity. And she starts pushing her way into the crowd. But that's not what I'm telling you to do today. I'm not saying just show up for church. Oh, if you want a clap on the back, help me, Holy Spirit, for making it to church today. Well, praise God you made it to church today. But being in church today isn't what I'm talking about, my friend. I don't want you to push into the crowd. I want you to see what this woman did in her faith. She said, I got the spirit of Rosa Parks on me. I don't want to be in the back of the bus. I got to get to the front. I got to get up here out ahead of everybody else because I got to see Jesus. It would have been one thing to just say, well, I, 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 well, I guess I'll come out of obscurity and it'll be, it'll be fine just to be in the crowd. Well, I was, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Well, I was glad. I was sat on the back row. I lifted my hand in worship. I, I, that was great. She said, no, being in the crowd ain't what God's calling me to do today. In order for my issue to be healed, I got to go to the front of the crowd. And she said, watch this, being at the front of the crowd ain't going to fix my issue either. It don't matter if you sit on the front row or the back row. It don't matter if you sit on the left side or the right side. It don't matter if you drive down the road and listen to the loudest worship music of anybody in the church. It don't matter if you listen to more podcasts, if you know more scriptural truth and have more sermon nuggets. What really amounts to anything in the kingdom of God is if you ever touch Jesus. If you touch Jesus... If you touch Jesus, and the Holy Spirit won't leave me alone about this. So, 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 so I'm going I'm to go on and shut this corner. I'm going to shut it lovingly. Could you pull up Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 for me in the New Living Translation? Hebrews 10, 25. And then also, just so I don't scare you, Jared, it's going to be easy. I want you to get the previous verse ready as well, verse 24. Here's where the most of us live today on that just being in the crowd. Here's where we live. Hebrews 10, 25. And I don't normally like to point and just wait at screens, but I'm going to wait on this one. Anybody hot in here? My Lord, have mercy. Y'all know how we can fix that, don't you? They say when we build a new building, we can actually control the thermostat. We, we, don't, we don't have, we can't control the thermostat here. I'm grateful for this place, but they don't trust us enough to use the thermostat yet. So we ain't got no control. Somebody can open the door if you want to. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 25. Somebody's going to remind me of that in a few years and say, well, you said I could control the thermostat and I see a box on it with a lock. <laughs> right, right. I've been there, done that. <laughs> been there, done that. No, I said Pastor Todd can, can touch the thermostat. Hebrews 10, 25, New Living Translation. This is the, the, the thought that I keep trying to preach away from that the Holy Spirit won't allow me to preach away from. Hebrews 10, 25, New Living Translation. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you guys a curveball there, but I'm not going to stop till we get it up. How's your mama doing? How's your sister doing? How's everybody doing? Huh? Hey, where y'all going to eat lunch today? Just point to me. Tell me when, it's, when they're ready. When... A couple of things I want to tell you. We do have Newcomers Coffee Social this afternoon, so if you frequently just began coming to Oaks Church here lately, you can meet myself and all of our staff. You can get our email addresses. That's how we normally communicate throughout the week so we can get back to you in a timely manner. You can submit your prayer request on the website. We also do have new church merch about to drop like crazy. We got so much church merch coming. People going to think you joined in a cult. You're going to have tennis shoes on. You're going to have jackets on, hats on, beanies on. We got some for, oh, oh okay, they point, they're cutting me off right now. Okay, all right, Hebrews 10, 25. No, I said go to 25. All right, this is where most of us live with that being in church thought. You ready for this? And let us not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more 
as you see the day approaching. Does anybody, does anybody understand what that means? Is it, is it, I mean, can we just break that down in layman's terms? It says, the closer we get to the coming of Jesus, this is not the time to quit going to church. <laughs> this is like the time that we shouldn't call and condemn one another. We shouldn't make each other feel bad. We, we should encourage one another. Hey, your faith needs to be stirred and encouraged. So you need to come to church, right? That's really led us into a bad spot, right? Because you know what that verse makes church all about? You. And then here's what that verse. Well, I can, I can spend time with God. Somebody asked me today, you heard Jesus in a John boat. Now, I haven't heard the country song Jesus in a John boat, but I have hung out with Jesus in a John boat before. Matter of fact, I hang out with Jesus every time I go boat hunting. But I can promise you some of y'all are glad I ain't bow hunting today, right? You can be with God anywhere in your shower, going down the road, anywhere you want to be. I'm, 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 I'm going to keep meddling here. But when you make church about what you're getting, it makes it easy to slide into that mindset. Well, I can get from God anywhere. Verse 24 actually is the context that 25 is written in. Can you put verse 24 back up on the screens? And let us consider one another. See, here's what I can't do in my John boat. Here's what I can't do in my deer stand. Here's what I can't do in my shower. Here's what I can't do in my car. I can't help you. Church and about you, for you, church is about what God's doing in you for the person on your left and on your right. Let us consider one another. So, so much more. As we see the day approaching, let's not quit on church because there's some people over there in the outcast realms of society that need to come out of that, go against the grain, not only push into the crowd, but need to be stirred up and motivated to come to the front of the line. Because once they get to the front of the line, number three, watch this, they can touch Jesus. They, they, you, you can't touch Jesus from hiding in obscurity. You, you can't touch Jesus just sitting in the crowd. This woman said, the issue is so large that the intentionality and deliberateness of my faith, the bleeding that I got that must stop the issue that's crippling me and breaking me and twisting me and withering me. I've got to touch Jesus. I can't touch a man. I can't hear a song. I can't serve on a team. I can't be in a program. The only healing for my issue is to touch the presence of Almighty God. Touch the presence of Almighty God. Got to touch Jesus. Listen to this. Listen to this. Pastor Chad, I want you to come. Somebody said, that is a miracle. It's 1123. Verse 45 and 46. Jesus turns around among all the people. Does anybody know who's standing right next to Jesus? Obviously, Peter's there. Can anybody, can anybody else tell me who's, who's obviously there with Jesus? Jay Iris. Jay Iris is like, well, that's, that's insensitive. <laughs> My daughter's at home dying, and you worried about who got shoes on your, who got dirt on your Reeboks. <laughs> who touched me? Jairus is like, hold on. And Jesus is like, Jairus, shh. <laughs> Only reason I'm talking is to actually help you. Put the shut to the up. <laughs> Who touched me? Peter said, typical Peter. Loud mouth Peter, open mouth, insert foot Peter. I know everything Peter. Jesus, there's a bunch of people out here. How in the world are you going to ask who touched you? <laughs> Peter, come sit down. I'm going to do this. I've done it 10 times, and you still ain't got it. So come sit down. Who touched me? He said, the difference is 
A lot of people have got dirt on my Reeboks today. A lot of people bumped into me, but somebody touched me deliberately. And I was actually on my way over there to do this for him and her and them and somebody else outside of my scope, outside of my agenda, with an intentional faith, touched me and their touch was different. I felt virtue. I felt power go out of me. Hush, Peter. Hush, Jairus. Who touched me? You ain't got it yet. She, knowing no longer that she could stay hidden, came and now, for the second time, in this one chapter, we hear of somebody else falling on their knees. She falls on her knees before Jesus. And she said, I have had an issue. Oh, this issue. Anybody got any issues today? Anybody got any? Am I, pre, am I preaching to the right church today? Has anybody got any issues in here? I'm just making sure we still have issues. Just making sure you ain't believe that cultural stuff in the world today that's so normalized us having issues that it's okay still to have issues. <clears throat> she said, I've had an issue. It's cost me everything. It's robbed me of my life. And I knew, I knew before I came to church today, I knew before I opened my Bible, I knew before I turned on the podcast, I knew before I started talking to you in prayer, I knew that you and you only touching you could heal me. Jesus said, now do y'all understand why I ask who touched me? I'm trying to use the true picture of deliberate faith in this chapter to show the rest of you nodheads that don't have real deliberate faith what it really looks like to get what you need from God. Very next voice says, don't worry, she's dead. Jairus, don't listen to them. Listen to me, every time the voice of Jesus instructs us what it really looks like to go where he's trying to take us, there will always be other voices trying to drown out where he's calling you to and what he's saying. He said, listen to me, just have faith. She's not dead. They start on their way. They get to Jairus' house. If you would have only been here, if you would have showed up earlier, she's dead. He said, can somebody get all these negative, Nancy, pessimistic people out of this place? Can somebody get all these people that are trying to dilute and water down faith out of this room? He said, let me, let me get these three guys that I just gave the teaching of deliberate faith. I bet you they can believe now. And let me have mom and dad, because I know they want their daughter. And he took them into an inner room. And he literally, he didn't sprinkle water on her. He didn't pray in tongues. He didn't dance. He didn't call in the worship. He said, little girl, get up. And all of a sudden, her spirit leapt back in her body. And she got, he said, could you give this little girl something to eat? I know she's got to be starving. I say, why are you telling me all this today? Why are you telling me all this today? Here's what I want you to know. Before Jesus left that woman to go to Jairus' house to continue the illustrated sermon. He said, daughter, 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 your faith has made you whole. What faith? The faith that said I'm coming out of obscurity? The faith that said, I'm pushing through the crowd. The faith that says, Jesus can provide for my family. Jesus can take away my addiction. The faith that says, Jesus can heal my body. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Look that word up. You know what the word is? Soterio, sozizo. You know what it is? Up until that point in time, Jesus is saying this woman not only got the physical healing in her body, the issue of blood, she got spiritually regenerated. She got salvation as it existed that day, the way that it existed in that moment. 
And when he said, daughter, can I tell you something? Luke's gospel is the only time Luke, the gospel writer, ever records that Jesus called any woman a daughter. Oh, by the way, this is not only the story of two falling on the knee experiences. This is not only the story of two 12-year-old issues, but this is the story of two daughters on their deathbed. And one had deliberate faith. And one struggled to believe for her healing. But the grace and the mercy and the compassion of God is so big, so large, so overwhelming. He said, I won't even only do it for the uppities, the high and mighties that are somebody with deep pockets. I'll do it for the down and outs and the lowlies that come from nowhere. I'll do it for people that are looking for great joy to return to their life and I'll do it for people that have struggled with great sorrow in their life. It's a picture of showing in the gospel to us today that no matter who you are, no matter where you came in from, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're asking God for, no matter what you're believing for, no matter what your need is, the grandeur and the greatness and the vastness of the grace, mercy, and compassion passion the love of God is so overwhelming all you gotta do is touch Jesus today all you gotta do is fall on your knees all you gotta do is bring your issue all you gotta do today is say I'm coming out of the crowd I'm gonna go to the front I'm gonna touch you I give up on everything else everyone else every other hope this is the answer to the need of my heart to the need of my life to the need of my family no matter if it's to bring joy or to relieve pain. If you're somebody or you're nobody, all it takes is deliberate faith. All it takes is an intentionality to say, today's a turning point. Today's a dog ear on the page. Today's a day we really start making some changes. I love this about Jesus' half-brother James. He says this, faith without works is dead. Many pious people say, oh, I believe. I believe in God. I got news for you. The devils believe in God. <laughs> Can I tell you, they got more horse sense than half of us. The Bible said, and they tremble. When Jesus showed up in the region of Gadara, the first thing that legion started doing was begging for its existence. So let me at least go into the pit, for the Son of God has come. Don't cast me out into the outer darkness of the abyss, because I know who you are. Rest of us, oh, I believe, and then we nonchalantly go about our lives with actions that don't line up with faith. This is for me too. We're just going to go down a list. You ready? Where's your action? I want want you to evaluate. You. You you evaluate. I got got some step studiers in here, don't I? Raise your hand if you're step studiers in here. Raise your hand if you're CR people, if you're Celebrate Recovery people, if you're Kingdom Builders or Proverbs 31, I mean Kingdom Recovery or Proverbs 31 or any of you have ever been through addiction. You, I, I, the best I remember, I think step four says, I made a fearless and searching moral inventory of all of the wrong that I have horse pill swallowed and accepted that's normal. You know that's hard to sit down and look at your life and go, well, golly, I guess I really shouldn't lie to my wife. God, I guess I shouldn't be selfish. Man, should I really dislike those people? Should I really hold on to, should I really cheat? Should I really lie? Should I really dis... We may not be able to bring them all today. But as the Holy Spirit leads, we can bring some of them today. It may be a time in our lives that we get to say, you know what? I've got some actions in my life 
that really are not in line with my faith. I say I'm Christian. I say I'm Pentecostal. I say I'm spirit-filled. I say I love people. I say I'm honest. I say I'm upright. I say I'm truthful. But when the first chance comes for nobody to know, I'm dishonest. First chance comes to take a shortcut to move myself to the front of the pack or the top of the ladder and step on someone else. I do it and never think of eye about it. It's the world we live in. It's dog eat dog. Where are some areas? Here's what James come back and said, and I'll finish. James said this. James said, you say you have faith. That's good. I'm not going to tell you I have faith. I'm going to just live my life and show you I have faith. Because see, there's a lot of people that can talk it. But like Stan Bond told me a long time ago, I heard a lot of people say a lot of things. But I've seen a few people show me they know what they was talking about. You know what I want to be? You know, you know what? I know what you think I want to be. You think I want to be Jensen Franklin or Stephen Furtick or Michael Todd. I want to be the next great talker. Man, I don't want to be the next great talker. I want to be somebody that they say, he's a great walker. And boy, that boy can talk too. That boy's a good walker. He's a humble walker. He's a walker. I know his faith. I've seen him faith. I've seen him go out. I've seen him push through the crowd. I've seen him pray. I've seen him worship. I've seen him take hard things on. I've seen him be humble. I've seen, and oh, by the way, that sucker can preach too. What you want to be? What you want to be? A businessman? You want to be a rapper? You want to be a wife? Be a school teacher? What you want to be? What you want to be? You can be all that lose your own family you can be all that lose your own soul you can be all that be off track with God <clears throat> I think today is just a day that I'm just challenging us to evaluate some things right now here they are they're very simple where are you going with the flow and the Holy Spirit has already indicated to you, you should. Where is an area that you should be going against the grain? This isn't about if it's okay for them. This isn't about if they do it. This isn't about if there's a vindication or a justification for it. This is about he that knows to do something the Holy Spirit has called him to do and he or she that does not do it, it's sin. Where's that place today that the whole, did I just say sin in church? Are we still allowed to say that in 2023? Where's that place in your life that you say, I need to, I need to go against the grain here because I've been swallowing horse pills. Where's that area in your life that you say, you know what, I'm in the crowd and this is what the crowd does, <laughs> but I feel God calling me to the front of the crowd. Where, where, where are you at in those areas of your life that really need a touch from Jesus? I want you to know that today, I believe that's available. Not by a word that I preach, not a song that Pastor Chad sings. I believe if you need that right now and you have some intentional, deliberate faith that the same Jesus that got out of the boat on the seashores of Capernaum is right here in this room today. And that if you would stand up, walk up, kneel down, reach out and touch him, your issue can be healed. I don't know if you have issues in your marriage, issues in your money, issues in your faith, issues in your morality, issues in your integrity, issues. But I know that right now, Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, there's an invitation to walk out of here carrying what carried you. There's an invitation to say, you can walk out of here with authority over the thing 
that walked in here with authority over you. Father, today, would you search us? Show us some areas, one area, two areas, a few areas of our faith, of our lives, of our walk. Show us, God, where we've said but not did, where we've, where we've, where we've proclaimed but not obeyed. God, show us some areas that, that need to be adjusted. Again, God, church isn't about just touching heaven. Church isn't about just feeling you. Church isn't about just goosebumps. Church isn't about just good songs and good messages. God, church is about us being changed, us being stirred, us becoming like Jesus, us being conformed. God, today, as you speak to people and as they come to this altar, as they kneel, I'm going to pray with them, believe they're going to touch you. I believe when they touch you, God, issues that have trapped them are going to lose their power. I believe that as they touch you, forgiveness is going to be given. That blood is going to begin to flow. That shackles are going to begin to shake. That yokes uh, are going to be destroyed. That darkness is going to be pushed back. That liberty and freedom is going to be had. That anointing is going to increase. Wholeness is going to come.